Men are built for the demands of life. The breadth of our shoulders bears the weight of responsibility in our homes. The depth of our voices projects strength to the world. And the length of our stride, our ambition, propels us toward career success. Man Up For Life is the coaching and speaking brand you need to reach the heights of your individual and organizational greatness. Responsibility, power, and ambition will cease to overwhelm you and begin to inspire you. To get started today, contact Demetrius Love at manupforlife at yahoo.com or at manupforlife across all social media platforms. Responsibility, power, ambition. Don't be overwhelmed. Be inspired. Start today. Thank me tomorrow. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Motown Philly Podcast. I'm Tim Golden here with my co-host. It's your boy, Jason Hall. What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? Indeed, y'all. What up, though? Jay over there talking like he's from 8 Mile from the D. That's because he is. He might be from, might be from Southfield. He ain't gonna tell nobody tell that. Nobody else. From the D. Jay from the D. Detroit, Michigan. He's the Motown in Motown, Philly. Yours truly, Tim Golden, is the Philly in Motown, Philly, from the city of brotherly love. We're here for episode 45 of the Motown Philly podcast. That's right. You heard it. 45. 45 straight weeks, Jason. For wow. 45 weeks. We have not missed one episode. We have been delivering content into this podcast universe for nearly one year. Jason, tell our listeners, our dope, stupendous, amazing, fabulous listeners, how grateful we are. I want to say our dope ass listeners, because that's what they are. <laughs> that's what they are, chick. That's what they are. Listen. So grateful for you guys. Uh, heart is overwhelmed with gratitude and what you guys are consistently doing. Um, as we think about what Tim and I have been doing for the past 45 weeks in a row to know that we have individuals such as yourselves, a tribe, a community, who listen to us on a weekly basis and if they don't listen to it every Sunday they get into it as the week goes on and we don't take that for granted we just don't and so for that we are incredibly thankful and have a heart have hearts full of gratitude for you guys tuning in and listening to us and we hope and we pray that what we say the words out of our mouths the things that resonate in our spirits actually resonate in your spirit as well and if they do, we want to say thank you again, but we also want to say, hey, maybe share, continue to share uh, those these these podcasts to other people who might find value in what we're saying and what we're sharing. Tim and I do understand who we are and what we're doing. And um, the word on the street needs to continue to grow so that the community can grow. So that this podcast then one day come to your city and that we might be able to to put on a, an event or a function that helps to support a lot of the themes and the topics that we are promoters of and that is communication connection and community so come check us out that's right check us out folks and continue to engage with us in the motown philly podcast facebook group you can find us in there 
share the things you like, share the things you don't like. Jason and I are here for all of it. We're all about improving. We're all about getting better. We're all about doing everything we can to make this podcast space one in which there is room for something that doesn't just address reason or doesn't dress just address the emotions, but for something that addresses the totality of the human person. That's what we're all about here at the Motown Philly podcast. Sure. And so we just want to encourage you to continue to share with us. Keep riding with us, y'all. We're not perfect. We're a work in progress, but I got to tell you what, we're light years away from where we were this time a year ago, because this time a year ago, we hadn't even dropped episode one. So who knows where we at this time next year we we gonna we may be approaching episode 100 so just hang in there with us and we'll keep going and keep growing together we're so thankful that you made us a part of our live a part of your lives and let's just keep going so here we are jason hall father's day father's day is upon us father's yep. day is approaching and it's here and we want to talk this week about fathers, man, about being fathers. I can't talk about being a father because I don't have children, but just because I don't have children doesn't mean I don't have a father, right? Yep. Because everybody has a father, but everybody doesn't have, is not a father. And so... Let's let's spend a little time, Jason, talking about fathers. And I guess what we might want to do is is spend some time first talking about the concept of father and then let's transition and talk about our fathers. And then I have some specific questions for you about your life as a father, because you are the father to two beautiful children Thank you. Landon who is 16 is that right and That's Layla That's right. and Layla who I believe will be 12 this year in November and we'll we'll close with some questions for you about fatherhood but let's let's talk about the concept of father Jason you know when I think of father I think of a a male a man mm -hmm. who has the responsibility of caring for children ha has the responsibility of caring for a certain part of his family unit uh, in some cultures that unit may involve a spouse it may not involve a spouse there's lots of conceptions of family out there but even if we just go with the conception in the contemporary democratized West, the concept of father implies one who is perhaps a spouse or at least a significant other and has the special responsibility of bringing up children in the world that he created. Mm -hmm. And when I think of fatherhood, I think of a connection between the pleasure of intercourse and sexual intercourse and the responsibility of parenthood. I see those two things as connected to one another. 
And I would just like to talk a little bit about the implications of that. What it means to connect sexual pleasure to parental responsibility. And what are your thoughts on that, Jason? What do you see as the connection between those two things? I mean, so here's my simplistic way of kind of looking at it and bringing it to the podcast. And we've often heard maybe this like phraseology or terminology when it comes to the idea of fathering, right? It, we've we've heard that um, anyone can, I've heard this even recently, anyone could father a child, but I think there is a difference when someone is considered your daddy. Now this is gonna be semantics, semantics totally, but I can tell you this, to father a child is to be a party or a partner in helping to create a child, right? But when you call someone daddy, I can tell you this, and this I can probably say this with full equivocation that I don't think my children have called me father. In their lifetimes, I can count, I, I this is a guess, I, less than five times in their entire life. Like I don't, I don't ever remember or can recall Landon or Layla approaching me saying, father, do we have any milk? <laughs> and mind you in another culture or in another country, father is very appropriate, but we're talking about here in this country and what, what semantics or language means to us. And it's not to say that father is not is definitely doesn't mean this or definitely does mean this but in the context of america in the context of my experience someone can father a child but it takes uh, a man a responsibility to be a daddy and often daily my kids come to me and they say dad or daddy and i get that that resonates, that connotes um, or signifies connection, like familiarity. It's not just like, who's your father? It's like, where's your daddy? It, and even though that's, like I said, a simple new nuance to what we're talking about, for me, it resonates as in being a dad and even thinking about our dads. I can't recall, I'm not sure, maybe you can, talking about this culture and the language that we use. Tim, how many times have you said when you were growing up that you looked up at your dad and it was like, father, <laughs> father, it's just funny to kind of say, right? I can, I can count exactly zero times <laughs> that I've done that. Or if I ever did do it, it was almost immediately followed by laughter from me and my father for me talking that way. So so what I hear you saying is that there's this sort of formality and distance that comes with the use of the word father. So here we are, folks, talking about language again, right? Mm -hmm. That wonderful subject that we love to engage here at the Motown Philly podcast, where we're all about communication, connection, and community. So let's just talk about that, Jason. If I were to say to my, and I'm thinking about my father now as I say this, and I know he would die laughing if I if I were to do that. 
when I if I said uh, father, it would automatically be a communication that says my son is about to clown me <laughs> or this boy is joking and I don't know what has gotten into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at the same time, if I was having a conversation <clears throat> with someone else and they said something untoward about my father, <clears throat> excuse me, or something that I thought was disrespectful, my first response would be, that's my father. Uh. Don't talk about my father in that way so let's let's sort of play with this term father on one hand i think you're correct there is a sense of formality and distance that comes with the use of that word and daddy seems to suggest a greater level of informality and endearment that comes from being radically present Mm. with your children i love right? that i love that at, at mm-hmm. all times a radical presence not just a physical presence but an emotional presence a sense of connectedness with them and yet when you so so father in some sense is sort of formal and distant and almost problematic but in another sense we can invoke the formality of the term to bring with it all of the honor and dignity and respect mm-hmm. respect that comes with it because if somebody says something bad about my dad my response is going to be boy do you know who you talking about that is my father yeah and when we say it that way what we are implying is that's the man who makes a difference in my life so in some cases, so it, it's almost like in the second way we use the term father, we're using it formally to imply all of the things that the use of daddy implies, right? So it's a, it's a funky thing, language, mm-hmm. right? This concept of father and fatherhood and how we use the term father versus daddy or dad or or pops right i often call my dad pops i said yo pops what's happening man he's like yo timbo what up man what's going on right you know he laugh and joke so pops is informal dad is informal but i think throughout the, the 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 informality or the formality woven in each of those different usages of terminology to refer to fathers is a sense of deep honor, respect, and admiration that I think might counterbalance the formality and distance of mere biology. Sure. What do you think about that, Jay? I, I mean, as you as you're talking, I'm just reflecting. Like when you come into a room and you you particularly come into a room and you're just like, "What's up, pops?" and you know that kind of goes to the heart of who he was to you and who um who you saw him to be and you guys could easily lighten up and he, he'd say give a retort back and be like hey timbo what's up like that the, just 
you know, us having this conversation about fatherhood is just kind of very nostalgic. And, you know, I don't know if we've we've termed or we've we've titled this particular podcast, but it's definitely a tribute to our fathers. Right. In a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing, even thinking about our granddads. But when you think about our community, um, the African-American community, when it comes to the fathers like that's 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 a whole nother podcast right and and how we can break break down the presence or the lack of presence in in the home uh when it comes to fathers not necessarily because it's all their choice it's because circumstances of this country has in a lot of ways dictated whether fathers would or should be would be present due to the the climate the social climate that we that we've lived in and so long so just to have fathers like you and I both grew up with and to and to reflect on the name father and daddy and pops because I said pops too sometimes I think dad came out more but pops came out as well and my, I know my brother Walter often he still refers to you know our dad as pops like pop said this and pop said that he probably uses pops a little bit more than I, I ever did. Um, that was just his swag. And just to know that we can approach our, our African-American male figure slash Superman in certain ways with some type of endearment, because when we think about that particular generation, you know, they were kind of hardcore, um, and when it comes to our ability to approach them and to and to really see their hearts. But a lot of times when we can just call out dad or daddy in a lot of ways, it, it's it is something that, you know, a term that we use to, to connect or ingratiate ourselves to our to our dads who are often busy, tired, overworked in so many ways, trying to hustle to get life together for for the family so um no i can't wait to continue to talk about this subject and unpack it a little bit more yeah yeah jason you know as you were talking I, we talked last week about hip-hop and we had of course the wonderful vita star with us and and we had a lot of conversation about it and one of the things that i brought up was my favorite song by one of my favorite songs by Kanye West called Champion and mm -hmm. he's talking about his father and the lyrics are uh, did you realize that you were a champion in their eyes as if to say the work of a father is often so underappreciated the things that fathers do the work that they do outside the home the work that they do inside the home the work that they do when they when they go out and make a kill, so to speak, and come home and give it to the family. Kanye West talks about, uh, does he's asking the question, did you realize that you were a champion in their eyes? And his response is, yes, he did. When he packed it up and brought it back to the crib, you know, when he was out working and he took the fruits of his labor and packed them up and brought them home and provided for the family and I think that's that's one of the things that when I think of the concept of father it's just so strong for me because I it's hard to separate the concept of father from the concept of 
man or manhood. And when you think about men, even if you just think about the physiology of intercourse, the conception occurs when a man uh, at the height of his potential, at the height mm. of his excitement, and I'm not trying to be vulgar here. Or energy even. Right, at the height of his, of his sexual energy, at the climax of it mm -hmm. is the provision of something. Something is provided when a man is at his best. That mm -hmm. when a man, that, that it's almost like sexual intercourse from a man's perspective becomes a metaphor for the provision that a man gives to another as a result of being at the height of his pleasure and when we think of if we expand that beyond the the sexual realm and we understand that a man has a purpose and that when a man is at the height of his purpose he's a when he's at the very height of of climaxing not sexually but climaxing emotionally climaxing psychologically mm -hmm. climaxing in terms of his well-being that is when the man provides something right that is when the man gives something and he doesn't just give anything uh in the sexual sphere he gives life he provides life and that's what a man is designed to do i think a man is designed to to provide life to those in his life and those around him and jason I, i'll just say this if we could shift now because i, I want to talk a little bit about our fathers and i i would like to hear from you about your dad jason and what your dad meant to you and in the words of kanye west how did your dad pack it up and bring it back to the crib what how what was what was it like for you beholding your father and what was your relationship like with your father and and do you yeah so let's let's just start there because i have some things to say but i want to hear i want to hear about your dad man i think our listeners want to hear about your dad too um thank you for asking that question because this in this time of year uh, allows allows us or me to pay tribute to a man who's no longer with us anymore um walter j hall j stands for junius um he's quite a man he was quite a man um and he is still because he lives inside of me and he lives with me um I, I kind of don't know where to start because you know I happen to be present during his most fruitful years and that's him as a young man becoming a dad I am the second of two boys there's only two of us and two, two sons um, only siblings and so I, I came into his life probably in his you know mid 20s late late 20s or so i hadn't done the math but so watching him grow and now mind you i wasn't thinking about this while i was young but watching the arc of his trajectory 
as he tried to provide for us. And I can remember now when this is all, I, I, like I said, I appreciate the question, but it's, this is all me expressing this in a way that I haven't ever expressed it any before. So I thank you listeners for giving me a chance and Tim for asking this type of question because it just allows me to, to reflect. But watching him grow up, um, and raise my brother and I and, and um, at the same time be a husband just to understand that in his late 20s he was he hustled like I'm not going to say that he wasn't present but I can tell his mindset was like let me establish myself you know I grew up in Detroit you know anything about Detroit is a very industrialized city that um, that basically made its its wealth and then in, and then in industry around um cars car manufacturing company you had general motors ford and chrysler i mean at one point the three mega car factories of the entire nation um yeah even the world um and he worked for general motors a a son of a sharecropper of mississippi moved up to detroit in the great migration for industry and jobs that were up north during the late 70s or mid to late 70s and um, had my brother and I young and was getting paid more money than they ever thought they could get paid my dad and his brothers my uncle uncles some of them not all of them he he had uh, nine (laughs) he was he was one of nine brothers brothers and five girls so it was 14 in his family so moving from the the dusty roads of louisiana to up north him just hustling uh as we're growing up and getting paid more money but as my mom had influence in in her in his life she she wanted us to grow up in a christian education which cost money so he's probably seeing life (laughs) one way she was just like nah these kids need to go need to go to a private school so that's gonna cut into all this money he was making so i think he really he really did see it one way because my dad was a christian but just in different ways like he wasn't going to church um and he wasn't into like the thing but he wasn't into things that would cause him to like spend extra money but whatever gene wanted which was my mom's name uh she actually she got as far as when it came to taking care of the kids so we all went to, to private school our entire lives he came out of pocket and that was a sacrifice for, for him and i remember him a few times saying something to the tune of you know i can have a cadillac <laughs> you know i can have a cadillac right now but y'all y'all going to these schools so like i hope you appreciate this or you need to appreciate this or do you understand what's actually happening in the background because life could be different bro life could be different if i wasn't spending this money each month so y'all can go to these type of schools so definitely sacrifice even while he was hustling then once we got into our high school years i often saw him not just hustling at work but trying to figure out, yo, how can I make extra money? Because these kids are going to college, they're going to school. So I saw him have these side businesses. I talked to you about this before, Tim, where he was like, he had his own vending machine. So he would pop these like low tech vending machines in different 
businesses and i didn't know what he was doing i just know it was extra candy downstairs that i would kind of smuggle and sneak sneak away <laughs> whether they were twix or m&ms and uh he would wonder where the inventory was shrinking off to but he was trying to make life happen for us he was trying to provide more whether it was given more for tuition because as we grew tuition of course like inflation grew too so he was just trying to make ends meet so he was a little entrepreneur um as he worked and i sometimes often think about where my entrepreneurial juices come from uh, they come from from him and the hall family so towards the very end of my high school years things changed again he got him he got really off into uh, a business venture that he kind of leaned into heavily more more heavily and he got money from significant for him uh and that was like water sprinklers and he really thought that my brother and i would take up the mantle even though we were headed to college and things he was just like yo i'm about to make a business and i want for you guys to run it in certain ways in certain terms he said that he didn't say that it explicitly was almost implied implicitly and it was just like yo this is what this is this thing makes money you know so maybe you guys i know y'all are in school but yo this is this is what life's about and it could be really good for y'all and i was thinking in my head i'm not coming back to live in michigan <laughs> michigan he just don't know but uh we didn't take up the mantle but he my point was he always like you said i mean you started this off he always wanted to be the provider and like though in verbally silent ways his communicating of that was very apparent in his work ethic and his mindfulness of trying to provide in very different ways and i see a lot of him inside of me the more i reflect so Yo, bro, I appreciate you asking that question, but I give it right back to you. Like, talk to me about your dad. Talk to me about your experience with him. I know this is not enough time and space to really to really lay down who he was and what and what he what he was to you or who he was to you. But like, yo, I want to I want to catch some of that vibe of of uh, Mr. Golden and and um, and what you what you what you glean and what you can share with us no doubt jason no doubt i'll tell you what let's pick up on that on the other side of this break we're about to get into now so on the other side of this break we will rejoin you and i have a comment about what jason said and then i'll be talking about my father so we will join you on the other side stay tuned for more here on episode 40 five of the motown philly podcast hello motown philly family you all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by the speaker's mechanic the speaker's mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host jason hall who is a communication skills coach and he's also a published author of a book called a vocal owner's manual he works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills and i guarantee you that if you work with him he will improve yours check out his book on amazon again it's called a vocal owner's manual and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about. And that's what his brand, The Speaker's Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thanks to The Speaker's Mechanic for this sponsorship. 
All right, folks, welcome back to episode 45 of the Motown Philly podcast. Tim Golden and Jason Hall here this week talking about fathers. And we started off talking about the concept of fatherhood. And now we're getting into, uh, got into Jason talking a little bit about his father. And I certainly would like to talk about mine. And Jason, I just want to say that as you talked about your father, and his vending machines, one of the lines in Kanye West's song called Champion is he says of him and his father, we was like Will Smith and his son in the movie. I ain't talking about the rich ones. And if you Mm. think about Will Smith and his son in the pursuit of happiness, right? They were poor in the movie. And he says me and my father was like Will Smith and his son in that movie meaning that they were tight that his father was going to work hard if you remember in the pursuit of happiness will smith's character was selling bone density scanners to Mm -hmm. doctors and he had to get rid of them and his his wife couldn't take it anymore and she she left the poverty was too much for her and so it's interesting that that kanye west would say that and he also says in Champion that every summer he would come up with some harebrained scheme. I forget the, the rhyme of it. Uh, mm-hmm. He would come up with some harebrained scheme to make money. And he said, was he successful, though? I don't know. But every year he sent me back to school with a new wardrobe. Right. So it, it's interesting to see that determination and that grit come from a father especially coming from a black father right that's a reason to celebrate because black people generally and of course black men in particular have to deal with myriad difficulties just to make uh, and provide for their families so you know again if we if we go back to that sexual metaphor you know a man is able to release and provide when he's at the height of his purpose and mm-hmm. his his work and that's when he's he's able to release and what he releases it, with that release is is a certain pleasure that comes not a sexual pleasure in this sense but the pleasure of knowing that he has given something to his children and to his family so before the break jay you asked me about my dad my father was an extraordinary man He was a jazz musician. He played piano. For those of you listening who are older, who know this name, you will know it well. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode on Black Music Month here as we continue this. But we had to take this episode to talk about Father's Day. But my father was a piano player for the Billy Eckstein Orchestra. Those of you, the Billy Eckstein folks who are listening, you know who he was. You know, that's post-World War II, late 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, a contemporary of Nat Cole and so forth. And my father was the piano player for his orchestra. My father was very good at playing the piano. And as a little boy, Jason, I can remember sitting on the sofa and watching him play. And I was just amazed at how his fingers, my father had these big hands with long fingers and they would reach over the keys and music came out. And it Mm -hmm. sounded so good. 
I, I couldn't understand it. And, and one day I remember asking him, I said, Daddy, how did he make music come out of your fingers? He said, the music don't come from my fingers, Timbo. The music comes from my heart. My heart tells my fingers what to play. Mm. And I never forgot that. I, I never forgot that. So I was I grew up with a father who was artistic. He was creative. He learned to play the piano by ear, but later he taught himself to read music. And eventually he got to the point later in his musical career where he would arrange and he would compose music. He could hear a song and he could say, okay, let me see how I can arrange this song differently. And him and his jazz combo would perform in my house. I grew up at 5729 North 20th Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. My zip code was 19138 and my phone number was CA41138. Now, you know I'm old if I'm giving you the first two digits of a phone number, not as numbers, but as letters, right? CA4? Or mm-hmm. capital capital was the exchange in my uh, in my, my section of the city. It was capital four one one three eight. Nowadays, you just say two two four one one three eight. But that's my that's the first phone number that I remember growing up in Philadelphia. And my father wow. was uh, he was not just a great musician. My father was a thinker, and my father taught me how to think. I remember one day I was especially rushed to get out of my house and I was carrying all these books and my father could see that I was visibly frustrated. And just as I was about to walk out the door, my father looked at me and he, as I told you before, Jason, he called me Timbo. And he said, Timbo. I said, yes, dad. He said, do you, do you have everything you need and i said "Uh uh-huh i got everything i need for school then he said now now he said i'm gonna ask you another question and i want you to think very carefully he said do you need everything you have and at that point (laughs) i stopped and i slowly thought about the fact that at least three quarters of the things I had in my arms, I did not need for school that day. And so I slowly put each thing down that I didn't need. And when I finished, I think I had two books in my hand and my, and my lunchbox. And my father looked at me and he said, now that's better, isn't it? And I just looked at him and I was like, I was just in awe. I was like, my dad is a magician. Like, how do you go from asking me a question to now all of a sudden my load is lightened and I'm just ready to go start my day. And it was in that moment that I think I learned or my father passed along to me the power of thinking critically. It was one thing to say I had what I needed, but it was another thing to ask the question, did I need what I had? And that kind of question is something that has reoccurred to me, Jason, as I go through life. You, you're familiar, Jason, with the minimalist movement, right? 
And I love I love the minimalist yeah, movement. Yeah, and the minimalist movement is really about asking that question that my father asked me. Do we really need what we have? Or do we have mm. too much? Is every is are the things we have necessary or are they dispensable? And mm. so I thank my dad for those kinds of lessons learned. I, I remember watching my father as culture was changing in the late 70s, early 1980s. I remember my father complaining that people weren't going to jazz clubs anymore the way they used to. They were going to these places called nightclubs where they were playing hip hop. And hip hop was this new music. And my father, I remember my father saying to himself, I don't know what that's all about, but it's, it sure is interesting. And there were a few people who my father heard early on. I remember the first time my father heard Luther Vandross sing. sing. Uh, Luther Vandross's first album was called Never Too Much, and it was released in 1981. And I remember my brother and I went to the Sounds of Germantown over on Germantown Avenue and picked it up, came home, started playing it. And my father came in the room. He said, who was that singing? We said Luther Vandross. And he took one look at that album cover. He was like, oh, that guy's going to be great. He was like, really? He, yeah, my father said he is going to be great. He said his voice. And then, it, you know, we learned not too long after his first album that he used to sing background for Dionne Warwick. And, and my father thought that was very impressive because my father was, of course, you know, he knew about Dionne Warwick and some of the R&B music. And so it was it was difficult to watch him struggle as he did because he was trying to get work and get jobs to provide for his family. And he he worked very hard. And part of the difficulty for me was that when he died, it was so unexpected. I never expected a man of his wit his charm, his vigor, his brute strength, his not only physical strength, but his emotional strength and the way that he determined to, in his latter years, be there for his family. My father was truly a remarkable man and I could not have picked a better one if God let me do it by hand myself. So salute to you, dad. I miss you. I love you, and I strive every day to bring honor to your name. And if I can do that, I think I will have lived well. So uh, I love my dad a whole lot, Jay. Thank you for asking me about that. Yeah, man. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. You know, shout out to our dads, man. They yeah. they helped us to be who we are today. And like, there's nothing that we can do to ever like repay them or thank them enough no man can't thank them enough i catch myself today my father used to always stand at the front door and pat his pockets to make sure he had his keys and my mother would say jimmy don't forget your keys and my father would be like i know i hear you and he'd be standing there patting his pocket man i caught myself caught myself on Tuesday, man, patting my pockets before I went out the door. I was like, boy, I'm just like my daddy. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. Love it. 
So, so Jason, listen. So we talked about the concept of fatherhood. You've talked about your dad. I've talked about mine. Let's talk, Jay, for the last part of this episode about your work as a father. Of course, we both have fathers, but both of us are not fathers. You are a father and I'm not. And let me ask you some, I want to ask you a few questions about what your life is like as a dad, as, as a father. And the first question I have, Jason, is do you see yourself interacting with your children the way that your father interacted with you? And if so, do you see that as a plus or a minus in your role? Do you, do, that plus and minus, do you see that as an asset or a liability in your parental engagements with your children? Let's see if I can answer that um, in the most respectful way possible to my dad's generation. And not just my dad. I just believe that our dads came from a generation that wasn't too far, let's be honest, from slavery. And when it came to understanding of a lot of language that you and I are now privy to that helps us to be the best people we are in this in this moment, our dads, my dad, didn't have an opportunity to sit around and wax, I don't want to say wax deep, but just kind of wax, wax deep maybe, or wax deep as far as in thought. Not like my dad or was trying to be a philosopher, but just to understand like emotions, thoughts, and feelings and how to express them in his situation. Like you and I have, like you and I don't spend time, we work. But we don't spend a lot of time working with our hands. That's just not what you do in your profession as a professor, philosopher, speaker. Neither do I, as even as an entrepreneur. Um, my job is to make the things that are in front of me work. You know, I love to have conversations with people, thoughtful conversations with people to help them be better. So I do spend often a lot of time in thought. <clears throat> and because I believe he didn't have often time to think because he was always working and trying to get things done. Like the things that he afforded me, his emotional uh, capacity to share, to enlighten in ways that I do currently now as best I can with my kids, that wasn't necessarily there. So I had to see it and glean it uh, from his work, from his work ethic. And like you said, like, that particular generation, they showed us love through through their actions of, of, of provision, mostly. It wasn't like necessarily their actions of saying, I'm proud of you. I love you. Put the hand on the on the shoulder, you know, embrace, draw me in. That wasn't there. Uh, but the idea of son, you got a roof over your head, food on food on the table. And ability to get from A to Z with my with what I do on a day to day basis. And that's something that I look back and I am forever grateful for. And I am just thankful for for the sacrifices that he did that weren't necessarily things that were expressed. 
So what I've learned and what I do now to answer your question more directly is that I, I not only do my best to do what my dad did, but I can't help it because of where, who I am and how I think and the experiences that I've had and things that I've learned. Because I think my dad's true goal is that I have a more fulfilling life than he did. And I think he set me up with that foundation to do that with the investments that he made into my brother and into my life. So because of that, now I'm taking advantage of those investments. And I only not only can and and am able to work with my hands, but I'm also able to work with my brain, with my mind, with my capacity, with my emotions and feelings and be able to articulate them as best I can when it comes to my children and to the people who are in my sphere of influence. But speaking as a father, I'm able to do to talk to my kids in ways that my dad never did with me. And hopefully people are not listening to this and be like that. Jason's dad is full of shortcomings. Nah, bro. I, I am just as full of shortcomings, but in, in different ways. But as a dad, I've learned to understand that they don't just need to see me working, but they need to hear me thinking and and emoting if you will feelings in the most healthiest way possible i don't execute those 100 percent well but i implore them to communicate you know i am jason hall the speaker's mechanic aka your communication skills coach but i'm just like yo communication is your key to get into any door um, your ability to have love uh, empathy and compassion like that goes a long way when it comes to connecting with people. Make sure you have friends in your heart, in your in your friends in your life with pure hearts, and so which also means the same as you. You know, I never got these these type of lessons from my dad, but throughout the way, because of his sacrifice, I'm I was able to learn these things so that I can do my best to impart them into my kids. So, what do I do with my kids? I make sure that I only work um, as hard as I can to provide, but I also impart to them like language communication that that helps them to understand a lot of the most important things in life. And it's not necessarily money. And and even though I go after uh, finance, financial stability and I go after things that uh, help to grow me, not just as a uh, not just financially, but just holistically speaking. So I share with them verbally. I said, this is a life lesson, kids. This is a life lesson. And I give them a lot, like, but I really slow down and I say, listen, this is a life lesson. And they probably have hundreds of maybe or close to hundreds of them now because I don't drop them on them every day, but I let them know like, yo, this is a life lesson. And then I tell them whatever piece of wisdom that I have and hope that they carry that on for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Very good, Jason. Wow. Wow. What a great what a great strategy for for fatherhood and for communication, connection and community with your children. Do you ever find yourself having a Cadillac moment with your children? Do you ever find yourself saying, you know, I could have Cadillac if it wasn't for <laughs> not and not not in a way that makes them feel bad, but in an attempt to get them to appreciate your your efforts do you ever find yourself having a cadillac you know we could have a cadillac moment with your children as your father did with you i know the cadillac is a metaphor because you know what i do in one of my business i have access 
people <laughs> have access and know-how to probably purchase any vehicle, um, just about any vehicle I, I, I want to. Um, and that's just through savvy and study and, and wisdom. But I understand the analogy. Um, when it comes to uh, wanting to share with them, like, you know what, I could be a little bit farther, if you will, or I could have, we could have this if it weren't. I think the sacrifices that we make his, their mother and I uh, financially is, is the greatest one is, is still tuition, you know, house overhead. That's a must. We both have our own separate houses, but the point is like, we got to have it. And if we got to have it individually, that means they got to have it too. Even though I, it's, it's for me, it's, it's definitely to make a home for them as well. So that, that comes with it. But when it comes to thinking about what they, what children cost, if you will, cause there's a cost to them. Um, but at the same time, you don't see it like that as a father. It's just like, I want to, it's a, there is that heavy level of provision. So and one of those things is tuition. And that is a sacrifice. And if I'm honest, that's something that is and is and has been kind of struggle since I started this journey as an entrepreneur. But um, whatever we spend, the be it their education or just be it for their betterment. For me, it's always like it's 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 money well spent as an investment to help them to be better people. I mean, I have my own druthers about the educational system and things that we were taught and things that kids are even being taught now, but I don't want to impede them. I think uh, there's some fundamental things that education, even if they'll never learn about or never need their algebra or never need uh, certain things that they learn, even in science. I'm not saying that science is bad, but just things that they don't necessarily need to they don't keep up. They won't keep up with because I never did. And I don't think you have either. I just know that there are some fundamental tenets of educating yourself that they get through education, whether we're actually paying because it's a private school or whether they're getting it in a public school. So I don't think I've had one of those, Tim. Um, if... Well, that's good. I guess not yet. You... Not yet. I say that. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's a question I have. We often think that parents learn from their children, but I suspect, I'm sorry, we often think that children do all the learning from their parents, but I suspect that as a parent, you have learned much from your children. What have you learned from your children, Jason? What have you learned learned from them generally? What have you learned from your son? And what have you learned from your daughter? I've learned a lot. Uh, this is a po- another podcast all to itself that we can have on what did I learn? Because if I'm being any in any way a, a person who reflects who wants to grow and who wants to learn to to continue to evolve and be the best person I can be. I have to be open to even my kids when I'm making a mistake or when I didn't do something well to be open and honest enough just to say, Hey, which is something I didn't get from either of my parents of saying, Hey, I messed up or Hey, 
this this wasn't something this wasn't something that I should have done to you or for you or said to you. And I've learned a, a I don't know, a posture of humility to really come before them when I do make a mistake. Like if I yell at them, I know that yelling isn't isn't something that is apropos when it comes to to talking or persuading or in, in a lot of ways as a father or mother does demand that our kids do um, when we yell and scream and posture ourselves towards our kids I learned that like in what other and what other um, relationship adult relationship do we is it okay to scream is it okay to yell is it okay to stand over and and like that just doesn't fly so why do we think that's okay with kids like it's it's a sheer bullying move as to to yell and to force and have this this level and tone of coercion to make them do something like and what other relationships do we do that with i mean i'm sure some people do but if you're trying to do well in life and have healthy like screaming at another grown-up or another human being is not something that often gets them to do something it's just it's it's very much a repellent it's the same thing with little the little humans called kids that i have like yelling at them doesn't help shout out to to the parent coach sarah carter who we had on last month to talk about her work as a parent coach i'm sorry i didn't need to say that no i feel you on that bro where do we where do we do that at so learning that i i can't like i was taught in a lot of ways to that's like that's how you parent that's how you that's how you train that's how you get them to do what you want to them to do and it's to kind of that tough hard love so what did i learn tough hard love the way it used to be is not is not the thing anymore it's like you gotta you gotta do your best to children are smart appeal to their intellect appeal to their reason and sometimes kids at certain levels they don't have all their reasoning skills executive functioning skills of their frontal cortex at their fully developed uh fully developed levels if you will um, just because they're still growing so reason to a point and and without the yelling the posturing of or bullying or even hitting bro i don't think layla's the youngest landon's 16 but i can't remember last time she got a spanking from me i'm not saying she didn't at one time but i think i might have grown from that point Uh, i believe maybe when i was 11 or whatnot i probably got licks until i was like maybe 13 or 14 uh mostly from my mom might add but as a dad, I move different, bro. I got different tools because of the stuff that I've learned to get my kids to really understand. And I think when they, when you're able to help them understand, their behaviors are different. And it's not th- through the bullying aspect of, 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 like I said, yelling, screaming, hitting, um, whooping. That's what we call it in the black home, like to get them to do stuff. So, yo, kids are different these days, bro. Like. They just, they just are, man. I mean, people call this generation the soft generation. I don't know what it is, but I just know that my old methods than what I did or had to me <laughs> done, I can't employ them, employ them as a father to get them to do the things 
that I want them to do. Landon and Layla, to answer your second part of your question, are two different individuals. I can't talk to Layla the same way I talk to Landon and vice versa. Landon, he's older. So so let me let me interject here before I want you to elaborate on the differences between them. So what I hear you saying is that because they are unique individuals, if you treated them the same, it would be unfair. Totally. So so treating people equally is not necessarily treating people fairly. Fairly. Very well. Very good point goodness so go ahead jason yeah. talk let's talk no. about talk about how you communicate connect and build community with layla versus how you communicate connect and build community with landon and how are your kids different and how does that affect your communication style with your kids and the way the way the way that you are disposed toward them in moments that require discipline, in moments that require correction, in moments that are teaching moments, how do you make sure that both of them maximize the potential of those moments without all of the authoritarian bullying, screaming, hollering, because I said so sort of talk. So elaborate on that for us. True, true, true. Um, there's a lot there to unpack, but I just, I just want to say it, I am a work in progress with being their dad, and uh, and I do my best to understand that they are different, and I do have a general voice for them, of of like sharing information and teaching them and getting them to understand. That's a general voice that goes to both of them. But to understand that each one of them are uniquely different in who they are, how they comprehend information, how they respond to critique. Um, I would say that Landon's a little bit more sensitive when it comes to critique. He's better as he's gotten older. Um, I employ him to be stronger um, mentally for when it comes to critique. Um, I definitely employ as much as I can the sandwich approach. You and I have often talked about on this podcast, a good, a critique, and then another good helps him a lot in understanding. Layla, she's a lot more intuitive. She's been like that since she's younger. She's very good with language and information. You can have a conversation with her and use words that she shouldn't be familiar with. And she can regard, she can like, she can stomach down that conversation and then use some of the similar words or not the same words as you used in the conversations that you've had before. You can either hear it in the rhetoric and how she talks to me or how she's talking to a friend on the phone or or on FaceTime. So she's very intuitive. She's good with expressing feelings and emotions. She just is. And I would love to be like, oh, she's a girl. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not doing that. I don't I don't roll in that way. I just think this is that's something that comes easier to her. Landon is a work in progress um, when it comes to sharing information and modeling something that you want him to do. I have to definitely be mindful of how I package the information so he can take it in the most effective way because he is just his he's a little bit more sensitive. And and I say that 
And when I say sensitive, sometimes that word can can touch us as men wrong, but it shouldn't. It's it's definitely just a descriptor that helps me understand that he's not sensitive and meaning that that's a bad thing. It's just like, yo, he needs to understand that just because I am opening my mouth to, to, to point him in the right direction doesn't mean that I'm, I don't like you or I'm mad at you and things of that nature. Landon, my parent, there's a part two in parenting Landon versus parenting Layla. So Landon, in a lot of ways, if I can be vulnerable, I wasn't the best parent with him. I gave him a lot of what I got as a as a child because of the generation that my my parents and my dad really grew up in. And it was the tough love. It was the um, not just the tough love. Yeah, it was a tough love and, and coercion and kind of bullying and screaming. And bro, Landon got that. And he got whoopings like my dad. He wasn't he wasn't one to give us whoopings. He might gave my brother and I one in our whole entire life. And it was a joke because he wasn't good at it because he only did it once in his life. But yo, when he when he talked or when he yelled and screamed, bro, that was like the worst whooping ever. So um, and that's what his discipline was for us. When he opened up his mouth, it was definitely E.F. Hutton with a thunderclap of a voice um and those who knew my dad hearing me say this they they might be smiling because the whole neighborhood knew my dad's voice um and when he needed to get his point across to all of my friends they all were kind of petrified and then <laughs> and then did whatever he told them to do even if the kid was one of the didn't really know my dad they would just do it anyway um so Landon experienced that that voice from me and he experienced the the level of corporal punishment as well so my mom and my dad one child got the voice and the and the uh, the corporal punishment at the whoopings the belts and stuff like that and so we came out of him because Landon he got a touch of AD, ADHD and he had it he just did his own thing and we was like what is going on with him and it got to a point where I understood, you know, here's, here's the story. My my cousin, who's now passed away, Joe Hall, he was um, actually calling me while I was about to discipline Landon. And I was just at my, I was at my wits end with him because he just would go to school and just do his own thing after a lot of uh, coaching and uh, employing that um, employment that he might do the right thing. Well, he didn't do it ever, almost ever, never. I shouldn't say that's kind of harsh. Maybe some, just rarely did he do the things that he was supposed to do. You know, you get stars and smiley face. He would rarely come back with any of those things, and he had, came back with some of it, like unhappy faces. And I'm like, this is for the last, for the love of God. So I just went in on him, voice and and along with the spankings. I got a, I was getting a phone call from my cousin. I actually called him as a butt call and then he was listening to what was happening in the background and he was just trying to get my attention so he says and he had to hang up and then he actually called back maybe a second or a minute later and I heard my phone ring and I was just like man I'm in the middle of going in he's like Jason whatever you're doing stop it just stop 
and walk away because I was going in on landing. Like this was, it was crazy as far as the, I was I was in a posture of like, bro, if you don't get it together, I'm going to knock. This kid was like four, <laughs> maybe five. And I'm just like, you got to get it. Like, and I was just on his neck and he called me. He was like, just stop, just stop what you're doing. Stand back and walk away. And he was like, bro, listen, no shade to my dad, but he was just like, you sound like your dad. So I know you not only you didn't you weren't only going at him vocally, but you were also going. At, I know you were spanking him, too. And I was just like, he was like, you need to calm down because and this comes from a cousin who was a cusser. <laughs> comes from a cousin a, a cousin who was a because he's a dad too he was like he was a cousin slash uncle because he was older than me but he kind of mentored me when I was in Detroit a lot bought me cars and just kind of showed me the way around the, in Detroit but he was a cousin slash uncle but so he was a little older than me and he was just like bro he, he, he was just like yo stop just stop and, that, and from that moment I just really paused and I said, if this man's telling me I'm over the top, I got to change. And I was convicted, bro. I was convicted. And he was just like, because like I said, this is a cusser, a screamer uh, and, and a yeller. And he had girls and he and he was just like, and he did all that stuff, too. But he saw he heard and saw me he was like, bro, you were out of control. I was like, coming from you. And I just had to sit and be reflective. And I was like, I was wrong. So since then, I just started changing my ways with Landon. But he had a good five and a half years head start of sheer. I'm going to say it on the podcast. Sheer, unadulterated <laughs> abuse. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's, it's nice that you're able to reflect on that and evolve from that. Right. Mm. It sounds like yeah. your parenting journey is not stagnant, that it, it, it has been an evolutionary journey and one in which you have rather than attributing some sort of dysfunction to Landon. And I love what you said, because you're not going to credit Layla because she's a girl. Uh, and because what we tend to do is we tend to play this zero-sum game with boys and girls. We we say girls are more mature, girls are more developed, girls are more in tune with their emotions, and we just tend to dismiss boys and men mm -hmm. on block as though they're just emotionally incompetent. But what I respect about everything you just said is that rather than attribute dysfunction to your son, you pivoted back to yourself. Mm. And you reflected on how your disposition toward your son has not always been the healthiest. And you've, I think, left our listeners with something to think about, which is that if your kid isn't everything that you think they ought to be, maybe you have some responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. And and that, I think, is a major major takeaway from from what you just told us i'm sorry jason you were going to make a point a moment ago i didn't mean to, to cut you off well don't worry i forgot about the point that i was gonna make uh <laughs> i just know that it was just no you're good you're good it was just important to understand that a pivot needed to happen in in regards to how i parent 
Landon and how Layla was coming up, you know, when he was five, Landon was, um, Layla was not too far behind him or he was four-ish, you know, he was, I think Layla was born when he was, when he was turning five. So, you know, it was a time to, to, to really, really like do some changing when it came to rearing of the second one. Sometimes the first one, you're just a little bit too anxious or a little bit trying to make this kid perfect, but um, definitely had some learning lessons in how I parented him. I didn't want to, I didn't want to bully him. I mean, just imagine some grown, some grown ass man just like hawking over a four-year-old, like screaming to the top of his manly lungs and holding a stick or a belt and just like the terror right like who what where where do i where else do i do such a thing why am i like oh it just made sense to me like i was doing this all wrong and i had to change my approach for landon's sake and for layla's sake so two different individuals but i talk i have to be very um, aware of how I approach them when I communicate the best the best things that I need to to have them understand so they can be better better even better than me. Wow, wow, that's powerful. There you have it, folks. A conversation about the concept of fatherhood, some reflections on Jason's father and mine, and you heard it here. I know the dads out there who are listening will appreciate everything you just had to say, Jason. I I would be remiss if I didn't make this one last point about my father. I often have lamented the fact that I have not inherited any of my father's musical ability. I don't play piano. My father was a a virtuoso. He tickled that ivory, man. My father was a great jazz pianist. And I always thought that I was so much unlike him because I don't play the piano in my own adult life. But what I what I realized is that I have inherited my father's creativity. It just shows up in a different way. It shows up on the stage when I'm preparing for a role, when I have to give my character a backstory. And so the creative influence of my father lives on in his youngest son, Tim Golden. Well, folks, listen. Jason and I always say we don't have all the answers. We just hope we ask the right questions. We're not perfect. Our fathers were far from perfect. One of my father's favorite aphorisms was my virtues are few but my flaws could fill a mansion. Man, Mm. those are Mm. words to live by. Perspective, bro. Perspective. Yes, Yes, sir. James Baylor Golden Sr., I, I, I love him and I miss him. But like you said, Jason, our fathers live on in us and let's continue to encourage the celebrations of fatherhood around the country this week. And all those who are listening, uh, hug your daddy, kiss your daddy, tell your daddy how much he means to you. And if anybody talks bad about your daddy, you just invoke that term father and you say, do you know who you talking about? That is my father. Indeed. Fatherhood and communication, connection, and community. Jay, where can they find you at, big dog? You guys can find me on Instagram at The Speakers Mechanic and on LinkedIn at Jason Hall, Communication Skills Coach. I am a communication skills coach who works with professionals 
with who works also with business owners to help them communicate effectively if they're having speaking problems, some type of anxiety when it comes to getting their message across to those who they're trying to make the most influence on. And I don't know whether they're trying to get a promotion. They're just needing to communicate better. You can reach out to me on either of those platforms. Tim Golden, where can they find you, sir? All right. Y'all can find me on Instagram at a good golden man. You can also find me on Twitter at DRTJGoldenESQ. And you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden in Walla Walla. Three things in life are certain. Death taxes and I'm the only black man in Walla Walla named Tim Golden. I think I'm safe going out on the limb and saying that. You can take that to the bank. Listen, y'all. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. The daddies, the fathers, the pops. I I might watch me a couple episodes of Sanford and Son this weekend. I just love to watch Lamont and his pops in the in the in the Sanford Empire, i.e. the junkyard. Oh man, listen, happy Father's Day, y'all. God bless you. Happy Father's Day again to all the dads and all the children and and yes. spouses and loved ones and partners who will celebrate them this weekend. Jay, I do believe that we are out of here. Like Vladimir. Like Vladimir. Peace. Peace.